let's talk a little bit about you know Gus's day. He came in 14th overall, um, and yeah, why don't you walk us through that if you could? Yeah, uh, man. In many ways, it's it's a bold statement, but it's at least up for consideration for race of the day. Uh, you know, when an athlete uh, new to the World Cup gets his first top 15, that's a really special moment. And to do it somewhat early in the tour, uh, when there were still 63 men starting is just super impressive. So it's, it's always fun to see, uh, what type of an athlete, uh, one is with regards to stage racing. Some people tend to get more and more tired as the stages, uh, kind of develop and then some people really come into things and they start the tour uh just kind of medium and build and build and build and uh the attrition just doesn't affect them the same way and so i'm hoping that gus is that way certainly through four stages he's uh been improving and uh, so proud of him yeah really an astounding result um one of the things that you know, I'm curious, have you had an opportunity to take a look at splits at this point? I've looked at them uh, a little bit. You know, I, I have a feeling Gus had, uh, if not the fastest final 5K, uh, one of. Um, okay. And, you know, at, after after 10K, he was in roughly 26th place. Uh, after 5K, he had picked up a pretty special ride with Dennis Spitzoff. But the deal with those rides, you know, Dennis ended up, uh, second today, but not everybody can take the rides given that to them. And, and, uh, it, it takes an immense amount of work to just hop on the back of somebody who's skiing for the podium. And to be able to do that is such an incredible sign. Were you noticing anything when Gus passed you on that last lap, uh, that he had extra spring, he clearly, you know, he was getting a ride, but was feeling like he had had some reserves to really push it. He was on the edge, I'd say. Um, and so it wasn't clear as to what was going to happen, but it was clear that if he wanted to have a good race, uh, he needed to stay with Dennis and then uh, ski away from him at the end of the race. And that's what he did. Um, it was really, in a lot of ways, the perfect race where he opened pretty hard. If you look at his early splits. Uh, I did see that. Very, very uh, prefontaine. And I love that, you know, swing hard. And you get a lot of misses that way, but when you connect it, it connects big. So, and after 5k, after swinging hard, uh, by himself there out on the course, he picked up a huge ride, uh, and somehow miraculously was able to stay with him. That's uh, no easy feat. And, uh, I'm just curious, where, did you guys discuss strategy, uh, at all prior to the race in terms of how to pace and who maybe to pace off of? No, you know, it's, uh, Gus is, <laughs> Gus is not one that you have to motivate to think more about cross country skiing. Uh, you know, his roommates always say like right before bed to look over and Gus is just watching ski video. And, uh, it's, it's, you put too much into his head and it doesn't necessarily equal, uh, the better results. So he had a nice bib number starting in the teens. I think he was bib 17. And that means that you're coming through, hopefully, uh, with uh, the seated group and that's that's how it worked out and uh he's a he's a smart guy he knows what's going on and so he knew that there were opportunities that were going to be presented uh as there as there are to <laughs> most racers out there it's just a matter of being able to take them and uh you know scott patterson with a solid result in in 32nd any thoughts on scott and how's he, how he's feeling as the tour progresses 
Yeah, I talked to him a little bit at the truck after the race. Uh, he said it was okay. Uh, he had a good opportunity out there, uh, picked up Musgrave for about 4K, I believe it was, and uh, just didn't didn't quite have the juice for it today. Um, and decent result, but, you know, uh, Scott holds himself to a – to a much higher standard than 32nd, and uh, and so do we. So uh, we're looking for more, and and I, I know Scott's the guy to be able to deliver. Okay, and just going through the start list, uh, Simi Hamilton was a uh, DNS, did not start. So he's obviously done for the tour. Has he gone back east, uh, or is he remaining in Europe? He's picked up um, a little bit of a, an illness. Um, you know, it, it was very mild starting the tour um you know he's he's passed multiple covid tests so we were uh comfortable with chalking it up to probably race hack which is often is for him sort of an asthmatic response uh but just after three stages it's kind of progressed a little bit further into his uh chest and and actually probably shouldn't call it a virus without knowing that it is one but uh, there's just with his lungs uh things turn into pneumonia faster than they do with most and we'll be able to shake a race hack if we pull from the tour right now so he'll go home to vermont for a three week two and a half week training camp he'll come back for falun with sophie here's one last question before we we move on and and i don't want to talk necessarily about personal health but from your perspective as the head coach of the u.s there seems just from the visuals in the finish area uh, there seems to be kind of different fidelity, you know, depending on who the athlete is, different fidelity to mask wearing. And not that I'm noticing this actually from U.S. athletes, but from some other other athletes. And what is do you know what the rule is in the finish area? You know, once you're kind of settled in post race about wearing a mask, it's it's supposed to be anytime you're not skiing, you're wearing a mask. Um, okay. And they've actually been <clears throat> fist has actually handed out on day three of Valmostere, they handed out sanctions to three nations. Okay. That, that's the day I noticed. <laughs> Publicly shamed uh, the nations by posting photos of them in the, in the team captains meeting. And so I, I'd be very surprised if there was another team that was operating more strictly than we are uh, with regards to uh, how we're eating. Uh, you know, you never are in a different seat at dinner than you were uh, at lunch or at breakfast. You're never, with a different roommate, you only eat with your roommate. We we dominate the entire room. We spread out as far as we can. We only have a room that has just us in it. Uh, and when we are done skiing, the masks are up. And uh, you know, staff do not ski in front of athletes, uh, just in case something could be contracted <clears throat> while training, because we don't really know that. Uh, we think it's pretty safe and i believe it is but we don't know that and uh so so we're being incredibly cautious uh we having had a positive test within the bubble uh the the french coach the men's coach alex rousselet uh, tested positive we understand at least in the antigen test i don't know if it was backed up but uh, people saw him at testing and he was really sick and so our team is not using any of the shared spaces like changing rooms, uh, snack rooms, even though they're well-designed with COVID in mind. Uh, nobody's allowed in our truck, things like that. Yeah, this was more just, like I said, just, you know, finish area, not U.S. athletes that I was noticing, but just some 
Uh, and again, it's, uh, I, I think it was some athletes that just as the World Cup has evolved the past you know, four or five weeks, it's like, oh yeah, that person was the same person the other weekend with no mask and what have you. But okay. Um, you know, uh, I just, just to throw this in there, I've definitely, uh, spoken with some coaches from other nations that have sort of scoffed at the pandemic and it's really remarkable to see the difference in, uh, philosophies on what is actually happening with the world right now. But uh, this team is playing it very conservatively. We haven't spoken since the finish of, of stage two, and we don't need to go through the blow by blow of stage three. But but it was really a you know whether you're a fan of U.S. skiing or not, the grit from both Rosie Brennan and uh, Jesse Diggins was pretty amazing, and tactically great. You know, they came in one, two, uh, Diggins in first, Brennan in second to take the tour lead in second place overall. And then they come in today and, you know, essentially, you know, they back that up. Um, yeah. What uh, what's that been like for you in terms of it's more action for you in terms, you know, saying there's podiums, there's interviews, snapshots. Uh how have you attempted to keep things kind of real and sustained for the long term? Yeah, well, there's there's quite a bit of pressure that comes with success, of course. And uh, the Swedish media is pretty notorious for drumming up conspiracies and controversies where none exist. And, you know, there was uh, uh, quite a bit of, uh, <clears throat> you know, questioning of Jesse and Rosie's uh, decision to just follow Frida. Uh, and that was just, just a fabricated, uh, reality that the Swedish media was coming up with. And if Frida wanted to, uh, follow, she would have just stood up and followed and our girls would have led, but Frida had one, one chance to win stage three and it was to lead from the front. And she played that card and it didn't work. She couldn't shake Jesse and Rosie. And, you know, when Frida Carlson has it pinned, you can't get in front of her and lead. She's going too fast. Just like when Jesse Diggins has it pinned, you can't get by her. So it's uh, for anybody wondering what our strategy was there. Uh, there wasn't one. The, the strategy is to win and to adapt during the race to make sure that we do. I, I mean, I would I'm just curious, you know, if you can comment on this, too, it, it's you know, from observationally, you know, it's not cycling, it's not pro cycling, right? You don't have a, a full team to pace you um, into a climb like we might see in the Tour de France. Uh, it, it's it's very much oftentimes just, you know, how an individual feels. And, you know, maybe Carlson was just feeling, like you said, like that was her opportunity uh, to try and just peg it and drop them, which did not work. But from just historically, it doesn't seem like it's very uncommon to to be at your limit and follow. I mean, something you see, it seems like all the time. Yeah, exactly. You know, this this exact scenario happened in Ruka where Teresa Stadlober uh, chased Jesse around the track for uh, fifth or eighth fastest time of day. And, you know, Jesse wasn't pissed about Teresa chasing her because had Jesse stood up and followed Teresa on that day, it would have meant a slower result for Teresa as it would have for Frida, you know, Frida standing up and 
conserving for a little bit on any of those laps would have just ensured that she was going to be second or third, but she played the one card she had. And so, uh, totally support her strategy. And it was, uh, it was one of the more exciting races. I watched it this morning again. Okay. So which brings us to today and, and notable to me, at least is, you know, looking at these, these splits is Carlson is back in ninth, 52, 52 seconds off the pace. Diggins is first finishing in 25, 14.5, uh, Brennan second, 14.8 seconds off the pace and Eber Anderson, who I think most people would have picked, uh, to nail stage three um, is in third, 22 seconds out. A little bit surprised to see Carlson so so far back. And again, I, I'm sort of, yeah, just from how you might handle things as a coach, are you surprised to see a, a very main threat for the tour overall? Um, you know, 52 seconds back on the stage. And I, I think I just had the overall results up, but like a minute and 10 back overall, something like that. Yeah, I thought, Frida was going to be stronger today. I think she probably could have been considered as our biggest threat. Uh, what I learned after the race, uh, going through the mix zone with the girls, was the Swedish media was uh, asking over and over again, uh, what do you think about Frida's injury? And evidently she had uh, a chin-up or a pull-up bar injury where the pull-up bar in the door jam, perhaps uh, this, this may be this is partially true or exactly true. I don't know how much of it is right, actually true, sure. but I think she fell from it and landed on her tailbone and uh, wasn't sure whether she was going to even start the race today. Uh, which, when when they first asked Jesse this question, what do you think about Frieda's injury with uh, doing pull-ups, we actually kind of thought that they were uh, messing with Jesse because that exact same thing happened to Jesse in Seyfeld. Uh, I don't know if you saw the video on Instagram, but uh, a lot of these teams, including ours, where we are, our policy is to not go into gyms, even if uh, the nation offers us exclusive access to the gym. Uh, one of our COVID policies is we're staying out of gyms all year. And so we've we've bought a bunch of weights, a bunch of bands, a bunch of mats, and, uh, and, and door jam pull-up bars. And uh, they're a little bit dangerous. But uh, I, I'm really sad to hear that Frida has a potential injury uh, because we'd love a to-the-end fight for the tour. Okay, so this seems very real right now in terms of a one-two. And not to get ahead of ourselves you know, for the overall, but obviously as a, as a coach, you need to treat it as there's serious opportunity here. Um, What's the focus like? What is this like right now? If I'm a fly on the wall on the wax bus or, you know, at your meetings, um, yeah. What, what is the, what is that focus like when you're discussing, you know, the opportunities for both Jesse and Rosie? Yeah, we, we just, uh, when you called, I just stepped out of the end of our staff meeting that we have, uh, kind of a debrief following every race where we talk about the things that went well, things that didn't go well, and the things that we're going to change or continue with for tomorrow. Um, in general, today uh, went went very smooth. There were a couple of very small things. Um, I think more than anything, the attitude needs to be that we're really looking forward to three days of classic skiing. Um, we've now had three of the first four stages skating, and uh, Jesse and Rosie are classic skiing as as well as they ever have. Um, but we also have some, some great classic skiers in Julia, Catherine, Haley, 
uh, and Caitlin, as well as the guys. And so uh, they're going to be a fun three days coming up. And the conditions that look to be a little bit squirrely tomorrow, it's going to be minus eight overnight with a chance for some snow tomorrow, warming up to minus two or minus three. The first huge climb tends to be in the sun, so that can be a little bit uh, tricky where it's cold wax for most of the course, but in this one section it can be almost clister-like, clister-covered. Uh, so it'll be an interesting day. Um, but we feel like that all of our classic testing that we did uh, yesterday, we spent the majority of yesterday working on classic skis rather than skate uh, skis for today. So we've essentially done uh, all of our homework and, and are ready to go. Okay, and I don't want to leave out here and again that we we've spoken about this how you know there's a little there's a there's a big it, it's a i would say a shadow but that's sort of ominous it's more like the ray of sunshine from diggins and brennan is is blinding us to the other very solid results um you know from some other u.s athletes and so for example Haley swirbel in 20th today and Catherine ogden who uh had a stellar race was 18th overall yeah you know we had we had five women in the points today and uh this is i would say julia kern's best distance race of the season she uh will admit herself that she's been a little slow to the take this year um it's been a tough period one for her she's sprinting pretty well but it's been a little bit behind the mark of where her expectations lie um you know we have full belief in julia and we know it's going to come at some point this year and today we saw the beginnings of that so to see it happen in a skate 10k uh, where she was able to take a ride with um jesse for about 3k was was incredible you know that's one of those like with gus grabbing on the spits off that that's uh that's not a free gift that's an incredibly difficult project to tackle okay um and and any comments on Catherine ogden yeah yeah she's uh you know uh she just keeps getting better and better and uh i think she uh each day appears to be feeling more and more like she belongs here on the world cup uh, as a staff you know it's very clear to us i mean she's 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 the right woman for the job and it's just a matter of uh understanding that you know you have to learn it because you're surrounded every day by all of your heroes that you've had for the last five or ten years and uh, it's really fun to see her uh, settling into this position and skiing really well today. Okay. Any other uh, any other comments? Sorry to take you out of your meeting. No, I just have to thank uh, Mike Walter and Gordon Lang for putting twenty five dollars in my Venmo account for beers. Really appreciate it. Yeah. What is? Uh, okay. And how do we find that Venmo account? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> okay. Okay. It just showed up on my banners on my phone. 